What is going on, you guys? I go by the name Unknown, and you are listening to the Pipe Bomb Podcast. And this is our AEW Dynamite review from the May 6, 2020 episode. And we're going to jump right into this shit. This whole episode of Dynamite was probably one of their best episodes since maybe the Hardy and Brody Lee debut, because that episode was really good as well. They had a couple of other ones before that that were, like, okay or, like, good but not great. This one was a really fun um, show from, from beginning to end. A couple of things happened during the show that I wasn't a fan of, but it didn't take away from the show as a whole. And we're going to jump... Right into the first match. And it was Cody versus Joey Janela. And we got Pyro back. JR and Excalibur are back on commentary. Um, Before I get into the match, I don't know why JR was there. I know he wants to be there and he wants to commentate. And he wants to do what he, he loves. But during this whole pandemic, to have somebody of his age... And past health issues out there. Um, it, it's just, I'm, I just fear for his safety, you know. So that's probably like my only two cents about it. And Jake the Snake Roberts being there as well. He Jake was wearing a mask, but but still, you know. But back into the match. Um, this match was fun. This match was fun. This match was really good. Um, I saw a lot of people saying that this was match of the night. I wouldn't say this was match of the night for me. I felt like it was a pretty typical Cody Rhodes match. Pretty typical Cody Rhodes match. I was just more shocked from Joey Janela because he normally wrestles the the hardcore style match. And for him to put on a, a technical, savvy performance was like really eye-opening to someone like me who doesn't really see much of Joey Janela wrestle that way and anytime I do see Joey Janela on my TV screen it's in some hardcore match and he's falling onto barbed wire or thumbtacks or whatever the fuck happens you know but right in the early going Cody and fucking Janela are trading pins they fucking chopping the shit out of each other really early in the fucking match um then there was one spot of the match Joey was outside and like on the bottom part of the stage and on Daly's place and Cody moves off the stage onto Janela. Thought it was pretty cool. Um then there was another spot of the match where Janela was like I think on the top rope going for a moonsault. Cody didn't let it happen and he gave what it looked like to be a crossroads from the top rope, turned it into a reverse suplex off the top rope, went for the pin, got the near fall. Then Janela goes for a moonsault. Cody moves out the way. Cody gets up, gives him a Cody cover, and after that, Cody hits him with a crossroads, and Cody picks up the victory over Joey Janela. Um, I thought this match was pretty good. The only my only critique about this match is that um I was listening to I forget man if I remember their podcast shit after this I'll leave their channel in the description. But they were talking about the the difference between. Um, the wrestling back then and the wrestling today, how back then they were describing it as like, okay, um, the only thing that would be talked about before the match would be like 
um, in this part, um, you want to go through a table or you want me to hit you with a chair, you want to get color. And those will essentially be the high spots of the match, right? But everything else was called in the ring. And it just made it feel, it felt more real. And then they said that today feels like every fucking move of a match is almost a fucking high spot. And that the fans get, like, they, that's all they want. So when they get a technical savvy match, the match sucks because there's no fucking suicide dives and there's no crazy flip to the outside, which is correct. The point I want to touch on with the fucking calling shit in the ring and being, like, spontaneous and everything, I didn't get that from the Cody and Janela match because there was a certain spot in the match. I, I don't think, I think it was... I'm trying to fucking remember. It was the moonsault that Cody went to go give from the stage to Janela, right? Cody stood there. Before he did the flip, he stood there for quite a while, and Janela was just standing there. And then he eventually took the fucking moonsault. If you're standing there for a long period of time, why don't you just move out the way, let him land on his feet, and then when he turns around, hit him with a clothesline or a fucking super kick or some shit. That's like my only little critique that there was some spots in the match where it felt like choreographed and it wasn't as like just in the ring and in the moment and shit. It doesn't take away from me like not liking the match. The match was still a really good match. That was the only thing I just took away from it that it just felt like like pin, chop, high spot, high spot, high spot, rest hold, high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, then the fucking finish. But Cody picks up the victory in a pretty entertaining match. Then they show, like, the Nyla Rose is back. And they basically had, like, this video package of her greatest hits. And I think it was Excalibur. And I fucking laughed. Because they said that the match with her and Rio was a classic. <laughs> that match was not no fucking classic. That match was no fucking classic. Nyla Rose sucks. She's not a credible champion. Um, hopefully at double or nothing, we get Sheeta versus Nyla Rose and Sheeta takes the belt from her. And we could get Sheeta versus Britt Baker. Cause I think that best the best women's match AEW has ever given us was between Britt Baker and Sheeta when they fought. I think it was like two, three weeks ago. Don't uh don't, you know, don't take my word for it. I think it was maybe two, three weeks ago, where they had like that. It started off like a eh match, but then they turned out to be a great match. But I just found that comment during that video package to be fucking hilarious. Like that real match with um, Nyla, where Nyla won the title, like got the title. I don't, that match sucked. Um, It's whatever. Then we get into a match. And Nyla Rose is back in action. You know, it's the first time they're live again. Nyla Rose is in action versus Kenzie Page. Right before the match, Tony Schiavone is interviewing Nyla Rose. Nyla is basically yelling, trying to sound like a female, but she's a but she's a male. However, the fuck you want to take that. And this match was very, just really quick. Um, Nyla Rose dominated the whole match. Um, towards the end of the match, Nyla Rose hits a fucking swanton on Kenzie, goes for the pin, picks her up. The ref is like, "No, what are you doing?" Then Nyla Rose proceeds to give Kenzie Page three beast bombs and picks up the victory. Um, I couldn't care for this match. I don't care for Nyla Rose. And I I know what the comment I just made. 
I know people are going to take it as like, oh, you're you're being like, you're discriminating because she's an openly transgender, whatever. And like, no, no, I'm not discriminating. You, you can be who you want to be. But she's not that good in the ring. She's just not that good in the ring. That's it, It's not me being like trying to discriminate somebody. It's that she's not good in the ring. If there was somebody else... I would have said the same, like, if they weren't as good in the ring, I would say, look, they're not that good, great in the ring. They could get better, but Nyla Rose has been wrestling for, like, what, five, six years, and you still haven't learned anything? Normally, by, like, year three or four, you should learn, at, know the basics a little bit. I'm not going to say she doesn't know the basics, but I, I would rather watch a Britt Baker match or a Sheeta match over a Nyla Rose match, and that's just my opinion. I just don't, not a fan of Nyla Rose. Right? Then, after this, we get a segment, and it was MJF. He's cutting a promo and like, this green screen thing. And he says that people are saying that they're the next big thing, but they're almost 30 years old. How funny. That's cute. People told him that he's no Ric Flair, he's no Rock, he's no Piper, and that he believes that when people tell him that's because they, they're insecure, because they know that... You're right. I am no Ric Flair. I am no Rock. I am no Piper. I'm none of those guys because I am simply better than them. And I thought that was another another great promo from MJF. He says he's injury free, that he'll be back next week. And I'm excited to see MJF in the ring. And we're going to get to MJF's situation and matches in a few. I really enjoyed that MJF promo. Um, they said that next week he's going to be in action. Um, they didn't say who, but they did reveal who MJF would face at Double or Nothing. And it shocked the fuck out of me. But after the MJF promo, we get another segment and Tony Schiavone's ringside with MJF and Sean Spears. MJF says that his peers are playing wrestler. They're, they're not really any good. Um, tell Spears that that he applauds Spears for telling the world the truth on, on who the real Cody Rhodes is. Because be, before this whole um, Tony Schiavone segment with MJF and Spears, they had like a little um, video package of Spears basically saying Cody Rhodes is a bad brother. He's a bad husband. He's never there for his family. He's this and he's that. So MJF is basically applauding Spears saying that thank you for telling the world that Cody Rhodes is a piece of shit. Fire. Fire. Spears asks MJF, is he 100%? And this made me laugh. I don't know if people caught on to it, but it made me laugh. Spears asks MJF, is he 100%? Because you know the hangnail and the little cut on his neck. And then and MJF goes on to say, I'm overhealed. And they both laugh. Overhealed, like he's healed, but overly, but he's a heel wrestler. I thought was just... I mean, it shouldn't it shouldn't have made me laugh as much as I did, but I just it just made me laugh. It was just a really like little cheesy little line, but I got a kick out of it. Then Tony Schiavone is into like he's talking and he gets cut off earpiece. Now he tells MJF that per Tony Khan that a double or nothing, MJF will take on Jungle Boy. Why Jungle Boy? Like. No disrespect to Jungle Boy, right? 
the Jungle Boy is nowhere near the the star power or popularity. I mean, he's he, he's popular, but he's not MJF, right? So for them to just to have this match out the blue, MJF versus Jungle Boy is like. For what? We already saw them have a match in the beginning of the year in January. I think it was when they were in, in Jacksonville the first couple of times or it was one of the southern states. They they fought and they put on a, a pretty decent showing. It was just MJF selling the majority of the time to make Jungle Boy look good. And that that was basically it. Um, I'm just not looking forward to MJF versus Jungle Boy because I, I thought MJF would be in the title picture or in a credible feud going into double or nothing. So I I'm just wasn't a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Then we're going to get on to the next match of the other night. And it was Frankie Kazarian from SCU. His first singles match in AEW versus the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, John Moxley. Um, This was a... Pretty okay match. I didn't really care for the match. The only thing I can really say about this match is that it was a good showing for Kazarian, right? It could show that he could, he could, I'm not going to say he could be a single star, but he could hold his own if he was to go as as a singles competitor, you know? But overall, the, the majority of this match was just, like, rest hold, rest hold, chops to the chest, kicking out at one, two, another rest hold, a bunch of throwing people in the corner, punching, more rest holds, and it was just, it dragged on and on and on and on and on, and then eventually, Frankie Kazarian, I think he jumped off the middle rope or the top rope, and then John Moxley gives him a fucking paradigm shift, and John Moxley picks up the victory. After the match, we get Creepers from the Dark Order. They attack John Moxley and SCU. Daniels and Scorpio Sky comes out, tries to help out Moxley. They fucked them up. Then Mr. Brody Lee, not Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee comes out, gives a big boot to Christopher Daniels on the stage, and then gets in the ring and gives a, a clothesline to Moxley. Brody Lee starts cutting this promo, says, I've been here in AEW, and yada, 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 and challenges Moxley to a match for the AEW Championship at Double or Nothing. Moxley gets the mic, he's laughing, and he says, dude, all you had to do was ask. Why are we getting John Moxley versus Brody Lee? What did Brody Lee do to earn this besides jump John Moxley? This is not a money match. Brody Lee versus John Moxley is not a money match. It is not. It is not. I don't think that's going to be a good match at all. It, how, it could surprise us. It could surprise everybody. And Brody Lee could show up and show out and just go crazy. I know he's not going to win the belt. Right? But this match right here is make or break it. Because when the world is watching, especially for the championship against John Moxley, you got to show out. You got to prove to everybody like, yo, Vince fired me or he let me go and it was a fucking mistake. And I'm going to show you why. If you don't prove that, then I think the character is done. 
I think whatever hype came that he had as the exalted one is gone. Then on top of that, at the end of the segment, he kicks Moxley in the face, steals the championship. So now he has the championship. And I'm not a fan. I wrote it down in my notes. Why the fuck are we getting Brody Lee versus John Moxley at double or nothing? Why? Like, for what? Like, it, it, it just, it, it makes, it, it, it makes no sense. I, I just was, I, I was not, I'm not a fan of this. I'm not a fan whatsoever. After that, we get a segment. Brandy Rhodes gives Jake the Stink a warning. Says that you went on national TV and said some really bad words about me. But my, but my mother always told me that I'd never respect people who you don't fuck with. And they bleeped it out and whatever. And I thought it was a really okay promo from Brandy. Brandy Rose is always, is either, is either hit or miss with, with, with her promos. It's either she's really fucking good or it's like, ah, I don't think you should have cut that promo. It's, it's, it's either or. Then we get into the next match, and it was the Apple guy, QT Marshall versus Lance Archer. Jake the Snake Roberts is here. He's wearing a mask. I even wrote down on my notes. He shouldn't be there at all. But it is what it is. My whole thing with this fucking match, why the match went on for so long? It went on for like a good six, seven minutes. Why is Lance Archer letting QT Marshall had any offense in whatsoever. Because when QT Marshall was in the ring with Butcher and Blade a couple of months back, he barely got, he only got like probably one super kick in before getting fucked up by Butcher. So you didn't push Butcher and Blade that heavily like you're pushing Lance Archer, but then you had QT Marshall go almost 10 minutes with Lance Archer in the ring? Why? Why? And then there was a point in the match. Like, I just didn't care for this match at all. I, I just thought, like, why the fuck is this match still going on? There was a point in the match where they, Britt Baker has this thing where, like, if someone's on the outside, she always likes to hit them with her heel or her shoe. Brandy was like, uh-uh, bitch, takes the heel, throws it in the crowd. Britt Baker's like, what the fuck are you doing? Then the match ends. Lance Archer picks up the victory. Like always, I didn't expect QT Marshall to pick up the shock victory over Lance Archer because that would have been stupid. After the match, Britt Baker jumps the barricade and DDT's Brandy on the outside. Picks up Brandy and puts her in the ring. Lance Archer is like, the fuck? Drags Brandy into the middle of the ring. Jake goes to the back. And like, where the fuck he went? And he brings out Damien. He brings out a fucking snake. And puts this fucking thing on Brandy. This ain't 1991, Jake. But my fucking God, if you told me, yo, um, after your match, Jake's going to come out and put a snake on you, cool with it? Hell fucking no. Brandy is one brave bitch because I ain't letting no fucking snake just, and like, and you could just see her, like, you could see in her face, she wasn't like squirming, like, oh my God, there's a fucking snake on me. She was just there laying there like, all right, the snake is on me. Okay, cool. Whatever. Then Jake gets on top of her. In like the sexual position. And I wouldn't say he, he was humping her. It looked like he was humping her. It was just a weird position for Jake to be in. Even though he's he comes across on TV like his 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 role as like a scumbag. Like as a piece of shit. So it makes sense that he'll put the snake 
on Brandy and then get on top of her like yo bitch like whatever the fuck but um that was the only like interesting part about this whole segment that was the only interesting part that I didn't think we were gonna fucking see a snake like we haven't seen Jake the Snake Roberts fucking put a snake on somebody since I think Dean Ambrose on that old school edition of Raw when it was like the Shield versus like CM Punk in that fucking 1v3, like, one-on-three handicap match and shit. I think that was, like, the last time we seen Jake the Snake Roberts put a snake on somebody. And my whole time thinking about this was like, damn. A couple of weeks back, Cody let Darby Allen spear his wife. Then before, he, then last week, he let fucking Lance Archer almost kill his brother on national TV. Like, Cody is a piece of shit. Then JR says, oh, Cody is on the other side of the building. And for him to get to where we are in the building, he would need a golf cart. And even then, it would take a couple of minutes for him to get there. And I'm like, Daly's place. And I, be, and I keep forgetting that Daly's place is connected, somewhat connected to the stadium where the Jaguars play. So if they're on the side where the Jaguars play, and then everything that's happening is in Daly's place, it, it, it makes sense to say, like, it, it will take... A while for him to get from one side of the stadium all the way to the other side where his wife is being attacked. So I love that they added that in there. If they didn't, it would have made Cody look like a piece of shit. Right? But whatever. Then we get a special announcement. That at Double or Nothing. We're not going to get a casino battle royale. We're going to get a casino ladder match. And the winner gets an AEW title shot. I want to be excited for this. I, I, I really do want to be excited for this, right? But, like, my it's, my thing in my head is like, okay, who can I think of of, of, a, of of a singles competitor that could be of a challenge or rightfully deserves a title shot against Jon Moxley? I would have never picked fucking Brody Lee. But I can see why they're going to do it, like to give him the shine so that way he could show out. And everything. If I'm gonna be honest, it could have been Cody, but they had a stipulation that if Cody lost to Jericho, I think at full gear, then he can never fight for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship again. You know, because MJF to win the title. Like I was listening to Solo Monster on talk about this about his like like he felt it should have been MJF and everything. And then listening to him talk about it, he was even mentioning it on Twitter. When I'm like, he kind of has a point, like. I think it's like in the rankings, it's Cody, MJF, and then Brody Lee, I think. I think MJF should have been the one fighting for John Moxley. But the fact that they brought in the casino ladder match, I thought, oh, yeah, they could just put in MJF. Then I forgot MJF is fighting Jungle Boy at the pay-per-view. So, I mean, if they're going to have anybody in that ladder match and win the ladder match, at least fucking have Darby Allen win this shit. Because I felt like he should have went on in the TNT Championship Tournament to the finals and either look strong or somewhat like an underdog thing with Lance Archer or eventually beat Lance Archer but with the help of Cody. So that way that could lead it to the Lance Archer-Cody feud instead of just doing it at double or nothing. But whatever. Then after that, we get a, a segment. Taz inter is not interviews, but... He's talking to Darby Allen and tells Darby, like, hey, like, I know, like, how you feeling about your loss to Cody 
You know, like, if you want help, I'm here. And then Darby's just breathing heavily, and he just storms the fuck off. He's like, yo, fuck you. I lost. I'm not in the tournament. I'm not fighting for no belt. Fuck you. I'm out. I'm gone. And that's it. Then we get into the main event. The street fight. The Le Sex Gods. Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho versus Kenny Olivier. Kenny Omega. And Matt Hardy. And then throughout the match, we didn't just get Damascus. We got Broken Matt, Damascus, and Team Extreme Matt. Right? So before the match starts off, Chris Jericho comes out with a bat. He confronts Pineapple Pete. Pineapple Pete is like, you better watch yourself. And then during the match, they're fighting. They're going crazy. Hardy leaves, changed clothes, and now he's Team Extreme Matt. And before it was Broken Matt. Right? Sammy goes for a shooting star press. At one point, Omega gets the knees up. Hardy gets a ladder on one side of the, the ring. Omega gets a table on the other side. Omega lays Sammy on the table. Hardy climbs the top of the ladder and gives a splash onto Sammy through the table. Fucking, then they start brawling. It goes to commercial. Come back from commercial. They're somewhere in like the practice facility in the fucking stadium where the Jaguars are play at and shit. You know, and they're by like this ice, like cooler thing. And Hardy is throwing Jericho into it. They open up the shit. Hardy tries to put Jericho inside the thing. They didn't work. Jericho gets a bag of ice and hits Matt Hardy in the fucking face with a bag of ice. I mean, he fucking swings the fuck out of that bag of ice on to Hardy. Look fucking crazy. Hager comes out of nowhere. They're jumping him. And Jericho are fucking up Matt Hardy. And they throw Matt Hardy into the fucking cool and just lock him inside. And they go on with the fucking match. Omega comes out of nowhere and hits Hager and Jericho with a fucking trash can in the head. It's fucking wicked. It, it looked wicked. Because Hager looked like he, like, Omega looked like he caught Hager on, like, the shoulder. But with Jericho, it looks like he just got fucking waffled with that shit in the face. And it looked fucking crazy. Um, then there was a point in the match where Omega picks up Sammy and gives him a running power bomb to the steel garage door. Jericho wasn't having it. Jericho um, suplexes Omega on, on one of the barricades that were there. Out of nowhere, Omega hits Jericho with a fucking caution. What sign? That shit fucking shatters on Jericho's back. Hardy leaves again. Changes, but this time he is Damascus. Hardy starts a golf cart. Runs over Jericho and probably the gift of 2020 of Kenny Omega, Matt Hardy in the golf cart, driving towards Guevara and running him over. And Guevara took a wicked, wicked fucking bump. That shit. I know the next day when he woke up, he woke up like, where the fuck am I? Type of shit. You know, then Hardy tries to put Jericho on the table. Kenny is on top of like this lift. Hager wasn't having this fucking up Hardy and Sammy and shit, whatever the fuck. Then Omega moonsaults off the the lift or whatever onto Jericho and Hager. And then Santana and Ortiz from the inner circle come out. They attack Omega and Hardy out of fucking nowhere. Hager power bombs Hardy through the two tables that Hardy was trying to put Jericho on. Everybody from the inner circle was jumping Omega. Then they then they bring like Omega to like the back of like the golf cart. Then they pick up Omega, give him to Jericho, and Jericho power bombs Omega on top of the golf cart. 
Then Jericho climbs down from the golf cart and hits Omega with a Judas effect. And one, two, three, the Le Sex Gods pick up the victory. This was a fun match. I know, like, you just listened to all of that, but it was a very fun match. Like, I saw this match about, like, two, three times already. This match was really good. This match was really, really, really good. I'm not going to sit here and say it was, like, one of the best street fights, but overall from them using the golf cart and just having, like, different shit in it and then Matt Hardy changing from fucking different personas on his fucking... McFoley shit was very entertaining as well. Um, this could be contender, or and this could be on the list for one of the matches of the year. It was just a, such a fun match. It was something different. And the thing that I want to point out throughout the whole show was the crowd. It wasn't a crowd per se, but it was just other wrestlers that weren't wrestling on on that episode, and they were just making noise. Because when you watch AEW and you watch NXT, right? Everybody in NXT in that locker room is fucking extremely talented. I think what is hurting NXT, not only NXT, but even SmackDown and Raw and WWE as a whole is that they don't have people around the ring. Even if they have to use the social distancing, have like a couple of people here, a couple of people. Just just noise because the commentary is fucking horrendous. Right? And all you hear on the fucking WWE shows, especially from Raw and SmackDown, is just the fucking fans because they're in the performance center. But this episode of AEW Dynamite was really fun. Um, overall, I gave this episode of AEW Dynamite an 8.5 out of 10. My favorite things out of the whole night was not even favorite things. Like, my favorite thing out of the whole night was the fucking street. The street fight with um, the Les Sex Gods and Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. Anyway, guys, that is the end of this AEW Dynamite review. If you're new to the channel, be sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell. And if you enjoyed this AEW Dynamite review, be sure to hit that like with a Stone Cold Stunner. And in the comments, let us know that you like AEW Dynamite, that you hate AEW Dynamite. Were you even watching AEW Dynamite or were you watching NXT instead? Let us know in the comment section down below. I go by the name Unknown. Pipe bomb.